The Maple Leaf exit interviews are in the bag, and on today's show, we're going to dissect the bomb-dropping presser from General Manager Kyle Dubas. All that more coming up on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the May 16th edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morsuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Uh, Lockdown Leafs is a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. Also check us out on YouTube, that's Lockdown Leafs. On YouTube, new videos, new podcasts coming out each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subbed up. Hit the little notification bell as well so you know when we drop new content. Um, Because guess what? Just because the Maple Leaf season's over, the podcast remains daily for the next while here. We'll still do podcasts all throughout the summer. But up until the draft, we still got daily weekly podcasts each weekday. So uh, today's this is going to be mainly on the exit interview of general manager Kyle Dubas because Dave, I think he dropped some bombs today. It was a little bit different than in years past. Before we get to it and we play it, just you know, maybe an overall theme from what you heard from some of the other players today, some of the stuff you liked, some stuff you didn't like, and then we could get to Kyle Dubas. Yeah, there was a lot to dissect there. It was what, six hours worth of of player reveals today? There was. So for those who are unaware of how everything kind of went down, luckily I I didn't have to go down there and cover it because I had my radio show. So, But by doing my radio show, we were waiting on sound to come in. This stuff was supposed to happen at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. is when they were supposed to start. They did not start until like 9.50. And they trotted out Mark Giordano at like 9.48 or something like that. So he does his really quickly, uh, a, a quick scrum, does an interview. And then you're waiting, you're waiting. Then they send out Ryan O'Reilly. And you're waiting again, you're waiting again. And they send out Tavares. And you're waiting. This process started. It was supposed to start at 9 a.m. And they had the media wait around. It did not finish until 3.49 p.m. From 9 a.m at about four o'clock is uh how long this entire ordeal took today and it wasn't intended to be that long i spoke with a lot of media members who've done this on a yearly basis and they said it was kind of little in disarray it didn't seem as organized as usual we knew that shanny wasn't speaking so duba spoke by himself long after sheldon keith came out and spoke by himself all the players had long time in between coming out and speaking with the with the media so overall the sense that i got from speaking with some of the guys who were down there was it was a little more chaotic than usual i don't know if you want to read into that or whatever but in terms of what was actually said by the players it was a lot of chalky answers you know but overall it was 
it was kind of what I expected to hear. It's not what I wanted to hear, but there wasn't a whole lot of accountability from the players, which we do not like here on this podcast. We nope. talked about it in yesterday's show, how there wasn't a whole lot of, 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 of you know, anger, I guess, after losing out and, you know, continued talk about all the chances and looks and odd man rushes and opportunities that they had created. But no one took the ball by the took the the bull by the horns and said, "I got to be better." I did not convert. I did not finish. Austin Matthews did not come out and said, "I had zero goals. That's unacceptable. I need to be better." Talked about the chances and all the looks that they had. Congratulations, your chances and looks got you bowing out in the second round. That was something that I thought was echoed pretty much throughout everybody, um, almost to the point where I don't even blame the players at this point. It's definitely a prerogative from from the the organization themselves to basically say, here are your stock answers that you're going to yeah. use today. Let's not give anyone any ammunition. Any ammunition. We're going to keep all of our own feelings and thoughts internally and just parade them out there. They gave a bunch of chalk stock answers, and we didn't really hear much or learn much from the players. Yeah, I know, and, and it's not, not anything new. Those uh... – who kind of cover the team, know exactly what to expect. Now, this is kind of a twofold thing because, yes, the players are not going to say anything really. And you can see Mitch is kind of – when you look at Mitch Marner, I was watching – I don't like to just listen to the audio. I like to see the players' body language. And he's kind of looking up. I know he's probably maybe just looking at who the reporter was asking the question. But he's also kind of looking at someone in the back. And usually there's a PR guy – Beside the scrum, and you know the Leafs, they have multiple guys, and there's one in the back. And you can't tell me Mitch Marner wasn't looking just to make sure, you know. It, it, it's happened. You, I've seen it many times where PR guys, some players kind of give a little bit of a a signal to the PR guy, like, okay, like, we Practice don't want to. Give, yeah. give me the last question here, and then you'll hear last question from the PR yeah. guy, and, and I think it's wrapped up quick. Yeah, that, that definitely yeah. does happen. Um, but on top of that, like, but on top of that, you're talking, but it's not just the, the body language. It was what the players said. Like, you listen to what Leon Dreisaitl, I, I know, and I was listening also to your, uh, to Noodles talking with you on Leafs Lunch about how Leon Dreisaitl came out and he said, you know what, I take responsibility. Yeah, excuse me, the guy who scored 13 goals. You lead the playoffs in scoring, Leon. But I will say, the last four games, he only yeah. got one assist. I, I don't know how many people who weren't following very closely. Oh, yeah. He only have one assist in the final four games, and the team went uh, one and three in those games, and he felt responsible that he didn't come up big for his team, and he did take responsibility. I only wish there were a couple of players on Toronto who only had one measly assist or didn't score a single goal who also had that type of accountability in them. Yeah. And, and that's what's missing with this team. Like, there, there were so many issues what was being said today because it's just recycled answers. I call it the recycled press conference. And the worst of it all was Sheldon Keefe. When he said, yeah. we made strides. Progress. Progress. I'm Prog- oh, sorry. Progress. Progress strides. Same thing. Yeah. Not- so one of the best lines I heard today actually came from Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star, 
I can't remember if he wrote this in his column, but he was he joined um, Aaron Karolnik and Carlo Koliakovo on the morning show, and you know when when he recalled them talking about strides and you know if people should be happy that they won around and you know what did that mean? He's like, eh, for how many years they won three games? They only won five. He said, it's not a quantum leap from three to five wins here, guys. Like, it's not as if, and I heard the same thing, you know, like, we're, we're really close. We're right there. We're so close. Close to what? You need 16 of them bad boys to win a championship. You got five, Sheldon. Five. You're not close to anything. Nothing. Close to absolutely nothing. You weren't right there, which is, again, it's the same verbiage that we heard a year ago. I wasn't a big fan of what uh, of what he had to say either. I'm with you. I, I thought that I don't know, but but again, t- t- to his point, like I don't know what I expected him to say because we don't even know what his future is going to be with this team, right? And, and I mean, we know that he can't really come out and say things because there's a couple of guys who aren't allowed to have their feathers ruffled in this on this team. We know what we're talking mm-hmm. about: thirty-four and sixteen. Yeah, no, it's, you know what it's, I know. Mean? I think, and I, I'll, I'll say it's probably a little more 16 than 34. I'm sure 34 has a bit of a say of, of, you know, things that are said and stuff like that. But we also know how Mitch responds to certain things when asked about it. Um, I remember just that time when he did walk back his answer, and Mitch Marner was, he, he, made, it, he made it seem like, you know what? It was a little, we didn't like that. Well, like, but this is, this is where, I couldn't care less what Sheldon Keefe had to say. And I think people who have shown any sort of like remorse or they feel sorry for Sheldon Keefe. It's like, you know what? He's a head coach. Head coaches, like they're the ones that are supposed to hold the players accountable. And I'm sorry. I understand you want to make sure that your relationship is half decent, but you also want the respect of your players to say the things that need to be said. Like, you know, what's funny. Uh, Pete DeBoer, you know, he's seven and zero in game sevens. I saw did, did that. You hear so about Pete that? DeBoer and the Dallas stars who congratulations onto the conference yep. final with a two, one win over the Kraken last night. They are uh, into the conference final. And with that, yes, Pete DeBoer now seven and zero in game sevens. It's incredible. He's basically Justin Williams in coach form, Mr. Game yep. seven. Do you, do you think Pete DeBoer would ever walk back and answer like that? Dude, not a chance. Not a chance he's walking anything like that back. No way. No way. But, I mean, that that also is is part of the equation and yep. part of the line of thinking that uh, management and, and ownership and, you know, Shanahan all need to think about going forward. You know, is, is this still the guy who can lead the charge? I think he's a good coach. But is he the right guy for this group? That I'm, 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 I'm a little less sure on that today than maybe I was two months ago. I'll be completely honest. I'm, I'm, I've now wavered. I think he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure he's the right coach for this group for whatever reason. Like there's, there's, they've, they've got someone else to get them over the finish line. You know what I mean? Like they made it into the red zone. You know, now they got to punch it into the end zone at some point here, and uh, maybe Keith isn't that guy. I don't know, but based on what we heard from Kyle Dubas, and we'll play the sound uh, and, and play the full presser and react to it in a moment, but everything's on the table, and that includes Sheldon, 
that includes the core four mm-hmm. and everything in between, right? So there's a lot of questions that we still have for this team and lots that still needs to be answered over the next little bit. Really quickly before we uh, before we take a break and we we get into the um, we get into the news, uh, there were a couple injury updates. For some reason, nobody wanted to also disclose injuries. I don't know if you caught that. Everyone just said bumps and bruises, bumps and bruises. Ilya Samsonov did say that he was dealing with a neck injury, so that was the uh, that was the injury designation for him. Um, Ryan O'Reilly said he was dealing with no big injuries. I don't believe it based on how uh, how his game kind of deteriorated as this, the season went on. Uh, and the other one that I really didn't believe was Austin Matthews, who said bumps and bruises. Um, but what do you say? Uh, dealing, it was something that I've been dealing with through the regular season a little bit and into the playoffs. I, I think that there was more of an injury yeah. there than he was leading on to believe. I mean, that guy, he didn't look right. He didn't look right. We're going to go in more detail as the week's go on about these players and we'll probably play a couple of the big boys and, and what they had to say at the, the year end meetings. But um, I, I just did, I, I don't agree or I don't believe, I guess, Matthews when he says, Oh, just bumps and bruises. I think there was something else um, a little more serious than uh, than a bump and a bruise that was hindering his play. Cause he, he had no burst, just had no burst when he was out there with the puck. So I think that probably was linked to it. Okay, before we go any further, Dave, uh, on the other side, we are going to um, hear from Kyle Dubas. It was a pretty wild press conference that he had today, I thought. Uh, The only one who actually dropped some truth bombs and some bombs today while speaking. So we are going to hear what Kyle Dubas had to say about his future and the future of this Maple Leafs team and maybe what – um, you know, we are to expect in the coming days. But before we do any of that, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors. It's our good friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sport, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy so you know what exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Snag a tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Welcome back into the Locked On At Least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. i got Dave Morasudi with me. Thank you oh so very much to our everydayers who join us on the podcast. And if you're new to the show, we respect it. Thank you for giving us a shot. Hopefully you enjoy the content that you're listening to. And if you do, we would ask if you would subscribe. Leave a like on the uh, on the uh, video and maybe comment down below your thoughts on what was said today and what you think the future of the Maple Leafs should be. 
Um, Because we're going to hear from the architect of the group. We're going to hear from Kyle Dubas in just a moment. Um, I don't know about you, Dave, but but I I, I thought that this was a a pretty um, different presser than we've seen from him these last five years. Uh, Yeah, I think over the years we have seen the emotional side of Kyle Dubas really start to come out more and more. And yeah, he he's we talk about accountability. There's no one I think in the Leafs organization that embodies that more than Kyle Dubas. Like, yeah, has he made excuses in the past? Of of course, but he's also been the first to to fall on the sword. In yeah, every single situation, he took blame for the Montreal loss. He took blame for a lot of things with this group, and it's almost like he's running out of lives to like are just the the desire to continuously do this well, for him right well, and yeah you're you're leading into it but he is a pending unrestricted free agent he does not have a contract going into next season that was brought up within this press conference today and there was an interesting answer that was given why don't we play the press conference, and then uh, when we hear something interesting, we can kind of talk about it and break it down. This was Kyle Dubas today at the year-end presser uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, thanks for coming, everybody. Um, obviously, uh, disappointing to be here. Feel that the group had uh, a substantial opportunity. Uh, to uh, to continue on uh, this spring and uh, unfortunately did not execute to the level that uh, that we would all like um, and it's another hard lesson for uh, for all of us and the entire organization um, with regards to uh, my own situation I'll just address it off the top um, uh, had a good long relationship here with with Brendan and the owners. I'll speak to them in the coming days, uh, but probably more importantly, uh, speak uh, to my wife Shannon and our family uh, here in the tonight and, and tomorrow, and see where we're at um, as a family um, and how we want to proceed um, with everything. Uh, this has been a, you know, in just in learning the past couple of days, it's been a very taxing year on them. Um, and uh, that's uh, obviously very important to me. So um, we'll go through all that and, and um, we'll all make our decisions and roll from there. But that's, uh, that's that situation. I'll open it up for questions. Josh? Kyle, last year you and Brendan sat shoulder to shoulder at this table with a, a sort of a, uni- with a you know, unity for the organization to run it back. He's not here. What, if anything, should we read into that today? I'm, I'm responsible. So you know the decisions made on on uh, on trades on roster uh, on everything they're on me so i i feel like i should i should sit and then take responsibility for them i don't uh, i don't need anybody else to be up and shield it with me it's on me kevin uh, kyle putting aside for a second uh your own situation which matters a great deal towards the future of this organization but What's your confidence level that the players that have been here for years, the guys we call the core, can actually get this done and, and win a championship in this city together? Um, I think that that was the tone of the conversations with them today, Kevin. We're, we're 
very difficult and um, you know we all collectively need to continue to raise our level um, uh, players and staff and I think the one thing that I would say about this spring as I sit here and obviously there's a lot uh, that will need to be cleared in the coming stretch I don't know what's going on here um, but um, the uh, well, I know what's going on here but no just I've never seen such a gymnastics amongst the media corps before anyway it was impressive sorry um, I think that uh, you know there's a different you know in terms of the goal it remains the same Kevin but perhaps the path needs to shift slightly and needs to be adapted slightly and you get in between you know persistence and full belief versus being a little too staunch and rigid and and I think that's a question that I would take the time for myself um, and reflecting on the year uh, and, and then decide on that uh, heading into the spring towards the draft and free agency. Pause it there, Dave. Uh, what's your level of belief? Because I think that was a very, very important line right there where he said, um, perhaps the path needs to shift slightly when asked if he still felt that this core four could win a championship because that's not what he has said in the past. We can and we will. I've got belief in this group. That is what we've heard in the past. That was not what he said today. Perhaps the path needs to shift slightly. Uh, that was the first time that he's really acknowledged that this core might not be able to get it done and there might have to be a big move made here this spring if he is the general manager of this team, which, again, the other thing that we've taken out of this a little bit was it's kind of non-committal at this point, which he'll answer to that in uh, a little bit. But did you pick up on that as well? Oh, I picked I picked up on it because he was the only one that kind of alluded that there's uncertainty when it comes to this group moving forward. Not even just with himself. Like, I, I don't know how, even if shall if Kyle Dubas doesn't come back, I don't know how if the next GM doesn't come in and say, you know what, this group hasn't gotten done. Something needs to change, right? A lot of people outside of outside looking in are pretty much saying that. So I think it's his realization too that you know what? Like we don't get unlimited cracks at this. And this this group as a unit, the core four, whatever you want to call it, there is an expiration date, right? Like, yeah, they have contracts, but these contracts are going to expire at some point and new deals need to be brought up and things like that. Like this is, this is, this was, this was, I think also not supposed to be a seven year until we re we went around and then lose again, because this was supposed to happen within, you know, a certain time period. And I think it just gets to the point where it's like, we've given a lot of, we've had a lot of cracks at this. At some point, you keep trying to use the same formula. If the formula is not good, something has to change with it. Yeah, and with Tavares coming in, I guess that's five years, and the most games they've ever won in one postseason is five games. That's it. They never won more than five games with this core, with this group. The necessary wins to win a cup is 16. They haven't even gotten Halfway. to six that means so, no they haven't gotten halfway not even close so you know that's uh it's it is a 
good thing if you're one who believes that there needs to be a big change. Um, this is the first time that it sounds like he's also kind of uh, signaling that as well. All right, let's pick back up and um, listen to a couple more minutes here of, of Kyle Dubas. Sheldon Keefe is the right coach next year to lead this group. Um, I think and what I've seen in, in Sheldon, um, you know, in, in, and I'll just kind of go back to these playoffs, which were disappointing, but I, I felt, Luke, that um, in even going back through the last series, Sheldon and his staff made adjustments which put our group in position to capitalize. I'll just, for example, use, you know, going from game one to two, the major topic was their top, the, what, at the Bennett line. And the coaching staff did a good job to adjust and address that. Going into game three, if you go back and watch game three, in the first period we had, I think it was five odd man rushes based off the coaching staff's adjustments. And then game four and five, you know, we, we played well. It was just, we put ourselves into a really bad hole and it was too little too late. So if there weren't those adjustments happening, um, I would probably be a little bit more down on him. It, it's, there's still, to me, has to be a full evaluation of, of everything. And a full and conclusive answer on that, I think to do so right now would be too hasty. Okay, yeah, stop one more time here. Because that, that, that was one of the big questions coming out of today was, you know, what, what does this mean for Sheldon Keith? Like, it, it, you know, there, there was really... Sheldon Keefe, a lot of people wondering what's next with him, and obviously Kyle Dubas, who's a pending UFA, um, or doesn't have a contract for next year. That was very non-committal yeah. on Sheldon. Not that he was, you know, getting ready to fire him, but he said, you know, we're going to have to look at a lot of things. He had some nice things to say, like the adjustments that were made. So it almost sounds like he's giving a backhanded compliment to to. Uh, Sheldon, while also slapping his players in the face for not executing offensively, um, but it still sounded non-committal, and it's going to be an interesting conversation, I think, over the next couple of days of whether or not Sheldon comes back. If you had to guess, if Kyle Dubas is the GM of this team going forward, which we still don't know, is Sheldon Keefe going to remain that coach? Gun to your head. What does your gut tell you? No. You don't I think don't think so? he is. I don't think so. I think there were adjustments made, yes, but there weren't enough adjustments made, right? Because they still didn't pull it off. They still didn't get the job done, right? Well, was it was it the coaching or was it the players? Like that's where it does become an interesting decision, where it's like I, I don't know how much more Sheldon could have done when your players aren't executing and you only score two goals in the final seven games, like how much of the onus really is on Sheldon at that point? It's like the, the players have to shoulder most of the blame here. And does the coach deserve to get fired because of their lack of execution? Or again, do they just need a new voice? Would they benefit from another new voice? Well, it's not, and, and look, like it wasn't just the Florida series because, like, you look at the pan, at the Lightning series, they they were having a hard time getting offense in certain parts because they figured, okay, we got to tighten up defensively, and when they made that approach to tighten up defensively, the offense dried up. 
right? So it was almost like the 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 game plan was, you know what, maybe we're going to have to sacrifice a little bit offensively to make sure we're taking care of things on the defensive end. And, like, that's fine and dandy, but you still need to score goals to win games, right? Like, I kept hearing about Sergei Bobrovsky and how he was, like, everyone was crediting Sergei Bobrovsky, but it's also, like, did, did the team do enough? to really make life hard for Sergei Bobrovsky. Were there adjustments made on that part to, you know, figure out ways to, to beat him? Like, I didn't see the adjustments there. Like at the end of the day, yeah, he made, you know, Matthew Kachuk was not a factor after the first few games, but you know what? There were still things that Paul Maurice did to negate what Sheldon Keefe was putting out. Frankly, the forechecking, like the Leafs had no answer for the for the Panthers for checking or their physicality, um, and well, again, Marner, is that personnel or is that coaching? I think that's partly. It, per- it is in a way very much like chicken or the egg type of. It's not like I'm not putting it all on the coaching because the players have to execute, but at the same time, like were there adjustments made to how they do their breakouts? Did they maybe figure out a way to make sure Marner? wasn't looking absolutely exhausted right because not only with the with the 11 7 you're playing your stars more but marner a guy like him plays more because of the penalty kill roles like do we need marner to be playing 26 minutes are we going to get the best version of mitch marner doing that i don't think so because like personally like and that's something the coach can really manage right that's a, that's on the coaching staff to say you know what Marner's not looking his best either. Maybe we're pushing a little bit too much to do too much. And that's having an impact on him being able to do the things he does well. Like as much as Mitch Marner, the penalty killer is important. Mitch Marner, the offensive weapon is much more important for this Leafs team. Right. That's where like things like things like that. The coaching staff needs to take a better chance to really, you know, try to change things up there because uh and Sheldon Keith made a note of saying they were done after game three. Well why were they done after game three? Why was the feel like the belief wasn't there? And like you kind of saw it on Sheldon's face too because when the coach doesn't have that belief, it translates to the players as well. Well and that was one other thing like we'll we'll play Sheldon Keith's audio at some point probably but when he said we lost that series after game two, I mean, if that was the thought in the locker room, then they had no shot at coming back and winning this series at all. If you had no belief and you felt that that loss in game two was where it all ended for them, no shot. They had zero shot. I did not like hearing that comment. Um, let's uh, take a quick break, actually, Dave. We got one more little show sponsor that we got to hear from. It's our good friends at athletic greens and then we'll come back and listen to the rest of the Kyle Dubas press conference. But Dave athletic greens, tell us about them. Yep. As Mike said, today's episode is brought to you by athletic greens, AG one keeping up with your proper nutrition is really hard. You're busy. You're stuck at your desk. You're eating whatever you can just to get you through the day. But that, but what if you could start your day with the ultimate nutritional insurance with a single scoop of AG one and a glass of water, you can do just that and absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help start your day right. Athletic Greens was created when the founder 
experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It costs him $100 a day, which is just not sustainable. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own, all for around just $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free child packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. And that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back. He's locked on at least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got Dave Morissuti with me. We're reacting to GM Kyle Dubas's year-end press conference that he had today as uh, the players did their exit meetings. We heard from the coach. We heard from the GM. Brendan Shanahan will speak at some point, we expect, this week, but did not join Kyle Dubas as he typically does. Dubas coming out saying, uh, you know, I'm responsible. I'll answer the questions for the roster that I've built. Took the responsibility and said he didn't feel Shanahan need to take any bullets. I respect that move. Let's continue here with uh, what Kyle Dubas has to say. Hey, Kyle, uh, recognizing what you said about there being a family and business aspect to, to your decision with your future, I'm just wondering, though, do you still have it in you? Do you want to be here? Do you want to still run the Maple Leaf? Um, what I would say to that is that um, I think it, it requires me to have a full family discussion, Chris. So I, I can't – my family is a – a hugely important part of what I do. So for me to commit to anything without, you know, having a fuller uh, understanding of what this year took on them uh, is probably unfair for me to answer where I'm at. I wish I could give you more, but we haven't been able to have those full discussions yet, but it was a very hard year on them. And, uh, Thus, it's tough for me to, what I would say is that I'm, I'm not going to, I definitely don't have it in me to go anywhere else. So it'll either be here or it'll be taking time to recalibrate, reflect on the seasons here. But you won't see me next week pop up elsewhere. I don't, I can't put them through that after this year. So what we do know I guess, is for Kyle Dubas, it's either here or it's nowhere. He's either going to remain as the Maple Leafs general manager if, I guess, the board and Shanahan wants him to come back. That also, they have a say in that. But if they want him back, uh, he's either going to remain as the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs or he's not going to uh, be in the game for a little bit, he said. He's probably going to end up taking some time off. And uh, so all those rumors that you heard about him going to Calgary, him going to Pittsburgh, guessing it's not going to happen now. Because like you said, I'm either going to be here in Toronto or uh, taking some time off to recalibrate. Yeah, that was um, a very raw, raw answer there. Like generally you never, yeah, you hear about, you know, players who kind of say, I got to talk to the family or I, People say I got to talk to the family, see where they're at. But for him to say that this was a difficult year. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's a tough one. And I'm wondering like what exactly 
led to this led to that him to come out and say that maybe it was the constant hearing about his situation right like <laughs> if you're Kyle Dewis's wife and people keep asking oh I heard about this about your about Kyle like I'm sure that is something that they have to constantly deal with and look they kind of understand it comes with the territory but it does weigh on you you have to constantly hear the same thing over and over and like i'm sorry i like we as we we talk about it constantly too because that's just what what we have to do right so i wonder if that's something that played a factor into this whole thing and you know like kyle probably spent a lot of time to try to get this roster over the hump like you you saw all those deals that he made those deals don't happen overnight these take months of meticulous planning, you know, calling them lots of sacrifice from scouting, right? Family. Yeah. Scouting missions. Like he has to go out and scout these players himself. He's not, yeah, he can go and send out a scout, but usually GMs when they're ready to make a deal, they're watching these players in person themselves. Right. Like that's, that's a lot of work and like, understand, yes, he's getting paid a lot of money to do it, but sometimes money, isn't the only motivating factor when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your, with your life and what you want to do with your career. Family in some cases should be very important because they got to be, they got to support the fact that you're not going to be there most of the time. That's the toughest thing for anyone that works in these, in these situations. So I I do believe that that's uh, the, the part I didn't expect them to hear him say was that if it wasn't the Leafs, like if he's not, if it's it's either Toronto or nowhere, I didn't expect him to say that. Yeah. Um, I think it just also goes to show how much he wants this to be his focus. Like he wants to see this through. Yeah. But he also needs to know, like, is this something that he has to continually look over his shoulder about? I think that's something that also is going to weigh on him too. Well, yeah, and again, the, the team hasn't committed to him either. Like he no. came into the year without a contract, right? So it's it's kind of twofold. I think Dubis is is not committing to returning, you know, but at the same time it sounds like he'd like to finish the job if he's able to do so, if the family is is willing to to sign up for for you know the long haul. But we'll see. All right, let's continue with uh, Kyle Dubis and what he had to say. Kyle. For you personally, what have the last few weeks been like? We've seen the emotional reactions, of course, to the games and everything that's been going on and getting into it with some fans in Tampa. Just how would you describe your emotions, what this has been like the last few weeks? Uh, well, they're all different. Um, I'm happy to go through them because they're my own foolish, at times, actions. Um, the Tampa one was me defending our fans and Morgan, whether I should or shouldn't. I'll leave that to you all to decide, looking back on it. Um, you know, I thought it was the right thing to do in the moment. I don't know that my language was appropriate for this position, but anyway, it's Morgan Riley, it's our fans. They're passionate, obviously, uh, and I am as well, and um, that was that. Um, I, I think, you know, throwing the water bottle, I was upset with our play. Um, I didn't know Josh Cloak was running surveillance on our suite and recording everything I was saying on Saturday. Um, but, you know, 
Listen, when I started down this, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an emotional person. I have, and sometimes they show outwardly, and I am deeply passionate about what we do and our people here, the people I work with, the people who work for me. Um, and so when you're in it for years at a time with people and you want them to have success, you're going to be emotional. Uh, that, that's me. I know some people might not like it or care for it, but... That's me, and, and I think, you know, I'm, I've always been that way. It's just, so I have to realize that, um, you know, there's more, I, I could see it when it was happening in Tampa, every single person's taking out their phone, and I'm like, oh, this is, it's not gonna go all too well. But, uh, you know, it's a different era, even than like nine years ago when I started, when I was in the Sioux. Everything's being recorded, the, the television, particularly the Canadian broadcasts seem to really like showing the general managers, especially when they're upset or happy, which that's what the people want. Great. And, um, you know, but this is me. I mean, I, I'd like to say I'd be able to, con to not be that way or not be happy or angry when things don't go well, but this is me. Kyle, when you look back at the degree to which you changed the lineup at the trade deadline, so I think it was six new bodies yeah. going in, yeah. Consumite Trophy winner, multiple Stanley Cup rings from Luke Shen, do you have any moments now where you kind of wonder what is left to change, what is left to do to try and get this team to break through? And assuming you do end up back here, what is left? What would you consider adding to this team? Well, I always think, I think the minute that you don't have any ambition or the minute that you don't have any ideas in terms of what to change is, that's probably the time where you have to sit and say, um, maybe this is not for me or it's for somebody else. Um, in my situation here and, and looking at it, I think that I, I liked, I was worried when we, when we brought in so many guys that it was, it was going to be a lot in a short time and I thought the coaching staff and, the, and in particular, the, the players that were here did a good job of really integrating those guys quickly, and those players did a great job of integrating themselves quickly, and it was a, it was a good fit, and, and they performed well. You know, we, we have a, we're starting to have a group of younger players that are our own, that some of them, you know, you know Nick Robertson, we sent him down to the Mars at the beginning of the year, he had a really good stretch, he got hurt, he'll be back in, term, in time for training camp. Matt Nyes came in, played well during the playoffs, he'll be here. You got Bobby McMahon who, who pushed um, throughout the year and, and played well when he was up and played very well for the Marlies. He got injured in, on Long Island and so now he's pushing. So I, we're starting to get to that point where, you know, whether it's Nimella, Villeneuve, Hervinen, Minton, you know, another first round pick this year, where, where those guys are starting to come along. And that's really where we need to get to. It, I, I, you know, adding the players each year as we need has been important, but we really need our own guys to continue to develop and, and jump in and come along and continue to find good value bets in free agency. Now, we'll have more cap space this year um, than in the past, and, and, um, but we'll have a lot more to address because of the, as you mentioned, the free agents, Matt. Yeah. Rosie? Ted, you are in the team itself, in the players, their inability to rise to the challenge, and particularly in their second round, their yeah. 
you know, they crumbled. Sure. I, I think, you know, Rosie, when, when you, you can't, before the playoffs, the, one of the things, in, and, and I, I find in this position, you're, you can't, you, the, the pessimistic things that enter into your mind, you can't really, you don't, you're so focused on what's the day ahead, but in this, in, like when I sit here, it's what's going to happen if these different things happen, these different scenarios. And one of the things that I had uh, lurking was, you know, the narrative around the team, which, which I have always, and we've had in these discussions here, have always disliked a lot, was like, well, they, you know, you just need to win a round. Is it a success if you win a round? And I never viewed it as such. I've always viewed it as it's our, we're trying to win four, and we're trying to win the Stanley Cup, and the team, I believe, is capable of that. And, and it's, it's easy to say, well, you know, why don't they do it, which is what you're, the question is, and that's, that's when disappointment happens. So, yes, I'm disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed in the fact that we only scored two goals a game, um, I think, for the last seven games in a row. Um, and we have to find a way to um, convert on those chances, and we have to find a way to uh, build in different offensive principles that can allow us to produce more at those key moments. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's interesting watching the games that there's I think the Western, I, I don't, this is just my feeling, but in the Western Conference, the scoring seems to be more free flowing. In our games in particular, it seems to have been very tight and close. I don't know whether that bears out across the whole thing or not. Um, but, you know, we're going to be in this division, in this conference for, we're not moving from the East. So we're, we need to find, if, if that's the way it's going to be, we have to find better ways. And, and so, yes, there's disappointment in, in all of it, um, the inability to um, the inability to get past the first round and then be ready to roll come the second, and inability to score throughout and and various different matters. I, I think yeah, that's the best word I would use. Last question, Pierre. Uh, yeah, um, can I go back to the answer you gave to Chris about your future, knowing that you're not in a position today to give us a, a clear answer? But I just want to be precise on this. You're, you're saying that if you you're either going to be Leafs GM again, or you may take time away from the game. Like, you don't see yourself taking any news with other organizations? That's correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the, the second question is, you've been steadfast, certainly, over the last few years, uh, not wanting to move any of your, of your top players or believe that you're the core of this team. Are you open to perhaps trading one of those top players this summer if you continue on as GM? Yeah, I, I would say, Pierre, that I'm... I'm very, the, the answer to this gets construed in very different ways. So the answer that I would give is I'm this spring and summer through to next October, I'm interested in doing anything that we, after a very thorough evaluation, because if you're going to do something like that, it's, you, you got to bet it's got to be very th thoroughly done, which I think the, the team we just played serves as a, a great template for. Um, they won the President's Trophy. They lost in the second round. They were disappointed. They get to the summer and they trade two of their core guys for uh, for a great young player, younger player, and um, that's a that's a big move. And and um, but I don't think it was hastily done. It wasn't until I think it was late July, it was a Friday night, late July, um, that they make the move. So the, the way I would answer it is I would consider anything with our group here that would allow us a better chance to win the Stanley Cup. So that I would take nothing off the table at all. And I think everything would have to be considered um, with regards to 
anything to do with the with the Leafs? I would take nothing off the table at all. That was a mic drop. That was a pretty solid mic drop from Kyle Dubas. Um, if he is the general manager, obviously, you know, he doubled down and, you know, still said he's he's not not ready to say whether or not he's he's returning yet. He needs a contract offer from the team and from ownership, clearly. Um, but if he does come back, it does sound as if he's uh, open to making the seismic change that a lot of us have asked for for a couple of years now. It looks like he's finally willing to budge off of the belief of that core four. I, you know, it's it's interesting because yeah, as you said, like for somebody who was talking about whether he wasn't sure if he was coming back, he made it sound like you know the the template was there a little bit, right? And so, well, like two, two things, two things, two things. Mm-hmm. One, I think it's something that he probably is always thinking about. Yep. And two, it could also be like a negotiation tactic to try a thousand percent yeah no no no. like that was the other thing i i I meant to mention it's good you brought this up like because he hasn't signed a deal yet and he's making it seem like he hasn't like we know that he's received offers like he's probably received offers just not fully to what he wants this is a perfect negotiating tactic. Like I, I know sometimes organizations don't like when people negotiate through the media, but that's we know what the Toronto media can do for negotiating. Just to ask some of those players that have kind of taken Kyle to the wood chipper a little bit there to get a few extra bucks in their deals. Right. Like to player, like there's, there's, there's benefits to doing that. And there's obviously also, you know, disadvantages to doing that as well. But I think, when he mentions Florida and he was very careful of how he mentions it because he didn't make it seem like, ah, you know what, Florida, they were disappointed. So they wanted, they made a change. Like, no, no, no. This was something that developed over time. It wasn't a hasty move. Like they didn't just decide we're going to trade these two players. Uh, we're not going to, we're just going to trade Hubert or Weger. doesn't matter what we get from them. No, no, no. We're going to trade Hubert or Weger and we're going to get, a better younger player that's going to have a big impact in our lineup. And that I think is like a little bit of a message from Kyle Dubas say, if I am going to trade a core member of this team, don't think I'm just going to trade them away. Like everybody is like a lot of Leaf fans are kind of throwing out there. Like just trade Mitch Marner. Well, if you're going to trade Mitch Marner, you gotta, you're not going to win the trade probably, but you're going to make sure you get something tangible. That's not going to set this team back. No, they want to make sure their gangster is going to help and improve this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be taken to the woodshed by any of these GMs. He's going to make a deal that he think makes sense for his team. I'll say this though, about the Florida trade when we can go back and and go watch the locked on lease podcast. when that trade went down. Ain't nobody saying that Florida won that deal. They gave up Huberto, who's coming off 115 point season. Mackenzie Weger, who's a top pairing defenseman and a first-round pick for Matt Kachuk. Nobody was saying, wow, what a steal that Florida got. Everyone thought that Florida overpaid and that Calgary won the deal. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that you know they won the trade right away, but it turned out to be the right player to add to the mix, right? And that's where I'm looking at. Like If they do move on from one of these guys, are you going to get the best player in the deal? No but maybe you get the right player in return that kind of helps 
the minutia of the team and allows his team to take that next step. You know, like uh, there's not many guys on the planet who are as good as Mitch Marno. Let's face it. He's a top 15 player in the world. So, you know, and, and, and the, one of those guys are on your team. So yeah. there's like 13 other dudes. How many of those people are, are you know, going to be moved this summer? Probably none of them. So are you going to get someone who's better than Mitch Marner? Probably not. But can you get somebody who brings a different element to this team that could bring this group together and end up leading to more success? I think that might be possible to do. Yeah. Two things about, I mean, and I remember at the time when we were recording it, the reason why we like the trade so much for Calgary is because Kachuk basically said, trade me because I'm not sticking around. So Calgary had, we said that they did the best that they could in the situation. And they obviously did get good assets back for Kachuk. We got an MVP um, candidate. Yeah, exactly. MVP. I know, he, you know, in hindsight, Hubert had a terrible yeah. season. Uyghur was st- is still a top pair guy. Like that guy's yeah. lighted up at the world championships right now. Yeah. But Huberto coming off 115 points and an MVP season. Like I think yeah. he finished what third in MVP voting. I want to say I think it was. Yeah, like, he was top five for sure. You know, like that was a a seismic return that they got for Matt Kachuk, yeah. who forced their hand, and all of a sudden, I mean it turned out to be the right deal for Florida. The yep. right mix. It all works. They also made a coaching change. I will also note that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And I think the other part too, is Kyle Dubas saying, you know, Florida got a younger player and he, he mentioned not only getting the internal growth from play, from players within the leaf system, which if you're how looking much at younger though, how much younger is, Huberdo. When was he drafted? 2011, 2012? Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Huberdo is 29. And Kachuk uh, is the same age as Matthews. Okay, so 29. Yeah, so about four years. Four years younger, three, four years younger. Yeah, right. And, and obviously, not just a younger player, but a different style of player, too. Yeah, obviously. Um, I think that's that's got a, that's somewhat of a model that he definitely wants. Like Dubas, if he's going to make a deal like that, he's not going to go out and get an older player. Like I don't like the, this team needs to get younger, a little bit younger, play with a little more pace. And how do you do that? You bring in some younger players to do that, right? You look at the NA, you look at the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're bringing up the Dallas Stars. I do need to also just make sure that we make this this distinguishment. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but when you say younger player, you don't mean prospects. You mean no. a a solid foundational piece, yeah. but young player, like a young 22, 23, 24-year-old yeah. player who's going to be hopefully a 70 to 80-point guy. Yeah, right? Like I'm not saying you go out and get a – you know, a 20 year old second round pick. Like, no, you're going to get somebody who's got some NHL games under their belt. You have a better, you have a be- an idea of where they're, where they're kind of going in the or NHL. Top pair defenseman, by the way, also, I think would be a, a solid. It doesn't necessarily, and the, the other thing too is it doesn't necessarily mean you got to add somebody up front. The blue line, I think, needs more of that youth infusion more yeah. than anything else. Cause you look at, what just happened with the Dallas stars. We I'm bringing them up because they've kind of done this the right way. Miro Heiskanen played like 
31 minutes in that game seven. Stud. Right? You're I, I, Now, are you going to trade one of those core guys to get a stud defenseman? You could certainly try. I don't think many teams are going to really offer that up right now. But it just goes to show the elements that this team is missing. You can go out and try to trade for those if another team is needs, needs something that the Leafs have. It's going to be very tough, and I think what Kyle Dubas is saying is going to take time. He's certainly right. It is not something that's going to happen right now because I did not expect Matthew Kachuk to be traded from Calgary. I, I will say this. Yes, it will take time, but there there is kind of a date that is circled on the calendar that does have significance. Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews both have a no-movement clause that kicks in, right? That'll kick in on July 1st. And I believe Nylander also has a 10-team no-trade as well. So yes. July 1st is kind of a timeline where you're thinking a deal could get done before then if a deal is going to happen. That would be the easiest time to, to make that move, I would say. But uh, who knows, man? Who knows what happens with this team? Is the GM going to remain? Is the coach going to remain? Which of these core four guys are going to go? I do not know. But the best part about it, Dave, we've got about six weeks to ponder that exact question and talk about it here on the show. But that'll do it for us here today uh, on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms. Receive daily Leafs content Monday through Friday. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, smash that like button. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. What do you think they should do at the core four? Who leaves? Does Duba stay? Does Keith stay? Do they both go? One go? If you were Brendan Shanahan, what moves do you or I guess just part of Leafs Nation? What moves do you want to see the Toronto Maple Leafs do this offseason? Let us know in the comment section down below. We'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. Uh, we'll do some more reacting to what people had to say. And uh, we'll kind of put a bow and recap the playoffs as well. We're going to be doing some uh, some grades, some tiers of how the Maple Leafs did through the playoffs. So all that coming up um, this week and next. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.